Sometimes the Lord will give me a, just a song in the spirit. The Bible says the Lord rejoices over us with, in, with singing in Zephaniah 3. And the Bible says, you know, I will sing with my spirit and I will sing with my understanding. And, and uh, hallelujah. And, yeah, just, Landor just go ahead and play out. Yeah, sepa. Andor Banyari You're my people, the sheep of my hand. Understand, I have a plan. Regardless of your circumstances or what you face. Keep your eyes on me, pull on my grace. There's grace for you, there's grace for your race. Just humbly seek and walk before my face. I know your place, I know where you stand and understand. You're still in my hand and I have a plan. You're my woman and man, and through me you can. So having done all, having done all, stand. And having done all, having done all, stand. For I am your God. I am not against you. I am for you. I stand with you. So stand with me. Stand on my word. Live and abide. By the things you've learned, you've heard from my word. For you, for you, I care. For you, I care. For you, I care. And know, in the midst of your trouble, I am there. So lean on me. Lean on me. Lean on me. The God who perfects that which concerns thee, says the spirit of liberty. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we thank you as we move into your word. We just thank you for utterance from the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit is not only the teacher, preacher, minister through me, but he's the teacher and the preacher, the minister within each one. For your word says we have an unction and an anointing from the Holy One that teaches us all things. So we thank you for the dual teaching of the Holy Spirit that will go forth, not just words through my lips, but, Father, what your Spirit speaks to their heart, Lord God. And we just thank you as this bread of life is broken and ministered, distributed unto the many that are here and others that might be viewing, Lord God. We just thank you for ministering precisely, exactly everything that each one needs in the way they need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Miss Fred. Amen. Praise God.
Amen. Our God is a good God. I want you to say this with me. My God loves me. Loves me. Turn to your neighbor and say, my God loves you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, your God loves you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, the title I have for this morning is Last Day Outpourings Include Divine Direction. I'm going to read Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. And it says in Joel 2, verse 28 to 32, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. How much flesh? Say, that includes me. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men's servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heaven and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming and great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I, I became a Christian in the I'm a, a 1980s, you know, early 80s, a college kid, and and... And, you know, there was the charismatic renewal, and there were just all kinds of things going on. And so there were a lot of manifestations of the Spirit, but then there was some crazy stuff that happened as well. And I'm not going to get into all the details of that, but because of that, there was a lot of, you know, cautions and precautions which were greatly understandable, you know. And uh, because, I mean, some, you know, some people would prophesy, or I'd rather say prophesy, you know, you're married to so-and-so, and you're married to so-and-so, but now y'all are going to marry, and crazy stuff like that would happen, you know. And so people, you know, some people went to the extremes with some things. And in some cases, you know, it's like the baby was thrown out with the bathwater, you know. Thank God in the rhema circles that did not happen, but there was just a lot of stuff that went on. You know, there was a lot of great, and there was some stuff not so great. And uh, I was part of a campus ministry at Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana that was going through about an eight-year revival, and I got there probably in the middle four years of that. And, uh, and so I got filled with the Holy Ghost and uh, sat under some Rhema grads there then and eventually graduated, went, off to, went into the Navy for four years, and then went to Rhema, and et cetera, et cetera. Praise the Lord. But uh, a lot of great things happened. But one of the things the Lord impressed upon my heart last week was we're in the last days, and some of you understand that, you realize that, you know that. But the Lord said, don't forget that part of the last day manifestation is I still want to minister in prophecy. I still want to minister in visions and dreams. And then he said, but don't forget about verse 32. He said, part of the reason for these manifestations, it's, it says, is so that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God wants souls. And I'm reminded of a lady I taught in Ethiopia in a Bible school. Um, she was a former Muslim. And she had a vision of Jesus. 
And in this vision, the Lord directed her to a church where she gave her heart to the Lord, and then the village wanted to get rid of her. Some just wanted to kick her out. Some wanted to kill her. And, uh, and so she was rushed off in the night, and she lived at that church where she got saved for a year. And, and then she lived in a town near there for a year. Then the Lord sent her to Lebanon, which I just uh, returned from a couple of weeks ago, went there for the first time. And she was a servant girl for whoever the leader of Lebanon was at that time. And then after eight years of being in Lebanon, the Lord said, go back to the village that rejected you, and I want you to start a school there, an elementary school for kids who have no opportunity for education, which was her entire village, and said, through that school, you're going to be able to evangelize and minister the gospel. You have to do it undercover at first, and so she was doing that, and then she had the school going a couple of years, and I had been sending her, giving her money to help with the kids she was helping, and I didn't know it was a school. I didn't know it was Muslim. I didn't know it was any of that. But um, she asked me during the second year of helping her, said, yeah, Brother Larry said the families, they want to meet you in this village. I said, oh, cool, sure. Said, uh, let's look at our calendars. And so we had all that set up. And then about four weeks later, I'm going there, and the Lord said, you need to find out who you're going to minister to. And so I said, uh, so Belcha, tell me, who, tell me more about your village. Well, it's a Muslim village. I was like, oh. Did not know that, which you kind of led with that, you know, I said that in my mind. And uh, I said, well, Lord, what do I do with that? He said, well, I still want you to go. That was me who said, go. And so I went there, and, of course, I'm praying. I said, Lord, I don't want to say one single thing to cause her any problems here. I mean, she, she, when she left Lebanon, she had such favor that the family she was serving they blessed her with money and jewels and all that. And the Lord said, sell everything you have to, to build a school building and trust me to pay a teacher's salary, you know, every month, one teacher. And so our first school building was probably about half the size of this platform. And then by the time I got there, she had two school buildings. The second one was about the size of this platform and eventually another one twice that size. But I just thought, Lord, I mean... I just want to be careful, you know, because, well, one, your life, but then two, you know, I don't want to destroy her work either, you know, and because uh, she did tell me they ran her out of there, you know, someone to kill her, and, uh, you know, Ethiopia is about one-third Muslim, and they peacefully coexist in the capital city, but other areas, you better be real careful. I mean, one town, 12 churches were burned down because they thought somebody had burned the Quran. Turns out it was not a Christian. It was somebody trying to instigate something. So you got to be, you know, careful. And so I said, Lord, what should I do and not do, say and not say? I mean, I, you know, I strive to be led by the Spirit all the time anyway, but, you know. And so the Lord, he uh, spoke to me, and he said, well, you've taught in your world missions classes in Bible schools about Islam, even though you don't have much experience ministering to them, he said, you, you realize that Islam, one of the meanings is submission. He said, talk about your submission to God, how you went from military officer and university graduate to, to Rhema graduate to housekeeper at Rhema for 10 years. He said, share your, t-. and because you were working there as a housekeeper, you met this Ethiopian lady at Rhema, 
And she asked if you would come and teach in the school. And then that, through that, you met the, the, the student. And you've been able to be a financial blessing to the kids here. And said, talk about your daughter Larissa's testimony, how she had at least the first two years of college was going to be paid for if she'd gone to a secular university in Oklahoma. But instead, you know, I directed her to go to Rama, and she worked at Mazio's Pizza uh, at night. She was on the women's basketball team for two years, so she had a full schedule. They had tournaments all the way to the east coast of Virginia and stuff like that, and how she gave up her boyfriend after her first year of Rama because she knew God called her to the mission field, and he didn't feel called to do that. And, and, uh, but because of that, she's in a land where she's rescuing kids from trafficking and giving them hope and a future and all of that, being an instrument, a vessel for that. And he said, you know, said, you know tie in Abraham because, you know, Muslims, they esteem Abraham. And talk about a God who loves people and a God, and because of that love, we have a capacity to forgive like no others if we'll access that capacity. And so I shared those things, and the Lord was real strict. Do not do an altar call. Do not ask anybody to come to Jesus. Don't be concerned about, you know, having another notch in your belt. And, you know, it's like got all these folks saved and put it in your newsletter and have these cool pictures. It's not about that. Said, I just want you to introduce the concept of a God who loves people and a a type of forgiveness that is going to be a new concept to them. So I did that, and I left there intact. And the next time I went back to Ethiopia, Belcha, she said, Brother Larry, all the parents and the elders of the village, they want to see you again. And I went, why? You know, it's like, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I said, no, Brother Larry, they love you. They love you and your daughter. I said, really? They love us? I said, I said why or how or what? Or, you know, I was like, she said, they love your submission to God. They really respect that. And I thought, wow, who knew that 10 years in housekeeping would open a door <laughs> to win the hearts of Muslims? And the Lord said, this time you have an open door to preach the salvation message. And so I went in there, did that, and on that particular visit, I saw about 150 Muslims come to Jesus. Elders, some of her uncles who are elders, parents, children. It was amazing. And I was like, wow, you know. And, and then every time I'd go back to that village, I'd see more and more of them come to Christ. Some get filled with the Holy Ghost, healed, all kinds of things. But you know, being led by the Spirit was part of that, but there was a vision that God had given Belcha, that, and through that, God, you know, was able to bring her to Christ and, you know, connect her with the believer who led her to the Lord. And it just so happens on that, before that first trip to the Muslim, vill- <coughs> Muslim village, um, I got to Ethiopia, it was November, whatever date it was, on a Sunday, and during that Sunday evening, I was checking my email, which was a rare breakthrough back then because didn't always get a good internet connection or even have electricity, but we did. And, uh, and so 
a college friend of mine who I hadn't seen in years, probably 15 years or more, she had emailed me and said, Brother Larry, no, messaged me on Facebook, Brother Larry, I had a vision and you were in it. And so I got my curiosity and she prefaced it with, now if God is, if this isn't witness to you or isn't a confirmation of what God's doing for your heart about or what, et cetera, et cetera, just put it on the shelf or throw it out. I'm just trying to obey God. I've been praying over this for several days, and I just can't get away from sharing this with you. And in the vision, she saw this sheet, and it was just fully spread. It had tassels on the four corners, and the Lord said, that is, that's my servant Larry Brown, and I'm sending him to the four corners of the earth. And, and then the Lord showed her in the vision I'd be going to Muslim people as well, not in, exclusively, not entirely, but to Muslims as well. And she said, now, and it was some other details, but that was enough for me. It's like, whoa, okay. Well, that Wednesday, one of the Bible school students, um, a couple days later, Wednesday, three days later, he had asked, he'd asked me to come to his church and, and share. And so I did, and one of the, the, the real strong praying ladies there, she laid her hands on my feet, and she prophesied that vision. I was like, whoa, okay. And then the next week on a Thursday, I was at a Christian businessman's establishment in Ethiopia. He wanted me to minister to the employees that would be there that evening, all volunteer. And, uh, and somebody else ministered, prophesied that vision to me again. So it's like, okay, this has happened pretty quick here. It's like Sunday, Wednesday, next week on Thursday. Not knowing that that's where I was going two weeks later after that, you know, or, or a month later into the trip. And so... Uh, and so the Lord said, I've already given you direction on it repeatedly. And so that helped me, though, you know, because this was a big step, you know, for me. But, you know, God says he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And that doesn't mean you're going to have a vision or a dream from the Lord like every day or anything like that. But when you need it, you need it. Amen? And I'm just, you know, I know that um, when was it a camp meeting? Uh, just ended a uh, you know, week ago or so. Well, I got back from Lebanon on a Monday. By the following Monday, I was at camp meeting. And that morning when I woke up, I woke up at 4, I woke up at 5, I woke up at 6, had six dreams from the Lord where he was just really getting my attention. And in these dreams, he was, it was just these strong cautions about don't get off course, don't get on the wrong track, don't connect to the wrong people. It, just kept, it was like, ugh. I mean, it was like, whoa. And it was like, I woke up, it's like, Lord, I don't know if I've ever had six dreams that I remember in one night, and I know that was you. And it was just so stirring. And it turns out, and camp meeting was great reconnected with a lot of great people and connected, you know, reconnected and connected and all of that. But then there were some opportunities and some doors, and I could just feel on the inside as they were talking, nope, this isn't it. This is going to tie you to something and pull you in some directions you don't need to be going in. But I thank God that he was so adamant in getting my attention early in that week. And, uh, you know, I'm single, too, so guess what? There were even opportunities there. I won't go into more detail. But it was like some, you know, people showed up. You could tell this is why they came. It's like, uh, and, uh, I mean, really, I mean, it's like, whoa. And the Lord, but Lord had already just 
He'd already just really grabbed my heart and just said, you just be very cautious and very careful. You know, you know. I think about King Abimelech, that who had saw, he got, he got, he got caught, uh, what was it, Abraham's wife caught his eye. Of course, he thought she was single, but, you know, he, he took her, and all of a sudden, he had a dream in the middle of the night where God told him, you're a dead man. And I make that point to say that just because something might be kind of scary to you doesn't mean that it may not be God. I'm not saying, you know, go and, you know, just feed on a bunch of horror movies and all that kind of stuff. Well, you're doing that all day, you know, no wonder you're dreaming about that stuff at night, you know. So there is that part to things, but sometimes God will do some things to get your attention to protect you. Amen? In fact, in the book of Job, I think it's Job 33. I'm just skipping all over my notes, but that's okay. Yeah. In Job 33:14 it says, "For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it." In a dream, in a vision of the night. A dream from the Lord is a vision in the night. It says, in a dream, in a vision of night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn, turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. So God will do things to protect us or try to protect us. Amen? The New Living reads this way. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from doing wrong. He keeps them from pride. He protects them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. Verse 29 says, Behold, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with the man. In other words, you may have, God may try to communicate the same message, you know, more than once to you in the same night. To bring back his soul from the pit, that he may be enlightened with the light of life. I mean, Joseph, he had dreams. He, he talked about how he had a dream where he saw his family bow before him. And then the next night he had a different form of the same dream. Same message, but in a different form. Pharaoh, same thing, same message, but in different forms. And so, you know, God, sometimes he's trying to get us our attention at night for, because maybe some, for some reason during the day, even though we are open to God's heart and we attend to the things of the Lord, maybe there's some things that he's saying, this is a better way to communicate with you. Now, sometimes we can just be hard-headed and we're not seeking the Lord like we should be. But then there are other things we are, but maybe we're open to God on this, but we're closed to God's direction on this. Anybody ever been there? I'm open to hearing from God on this and this and this, but Lord, no thank you. Like I've got, a, I've got two grandsons from my oldest daughter, and I used to help her uh, take the old, uh, well, one time she asked if I would help, him, uh, help them at the health clinic. He needed to get a shot, I guess, for something. 
And uh, so I said, Dad, you know, Cabri's really strong. He's just, just a little guy. And me and the nurse have a hard time holding him down. And so would you come this time? And so he saw Papa, you know, in the car with him. And anytime Papa's involved, normally it's fun. It's, it's going to be a good time. But all of a sudden he saw that building yeah. and that hallway yeah. and that office and that nurse. And then he saw that needle. And the boys are very well-mannered even today. They're older now. But he just starts telling the nurse, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. (laughs) Well, some things you can't tell God, no, thank you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. It says acknowledge him in how many of our ways? And he'll direct our our path. Amen? So we need to be open. Now, sometimes we're not open because maybe we've gone through some stuff and there's a fear there, there's a trauma there, but God still needs to communicate with us for our good, for our benefit, and for the benefit of others. So in spite of the walls that we've, we have there because of what we've gone through, the pain, it might be a painful thing. We just don't want to op- be open in that area of our life. There's, there's still a pain, but God says, no, I need to reach in there. Does that make sense? Amen. Who knows best? Father knows best. Amen. Praise God. And so we want to trust in him with all of our heart. Going back to dreams and the Song of Solomon 5.2, it says this, Song of Solomon 5.2 It says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. I might be asleep, but guess what? Your spirit man is still awake. Amen? And God says, I'm going to take advantage of that for your good, to help you, to protect you, to guide you. I mean, think about um, who was it, Jacob. You know, he got conned, manipulated by his father-in-law a number of times. How did he finally prosper in that situation? In his sleep, God gave him a dream about what to do. And he followed it to the letter, and he came out of that situation very prosperous. Amen? Maybe the breakthrough you need for your business is something God wants to communicate to your sleep. In fact, they say the guy who founded Google, he got his idea in a dream. I don't know if the guy's a Christian or not, but he said it came to him in a dream. Well, guess what I use a lot of is a search engine, Google. Amen? You say, well, why would God give that to a lost person? I don't know if he's lost or saved. I don't know. But, you know, God's wanting to help mankind. Amen? And, yeah, there are people that use the Internet for horrible purposes, but, you know, there are people that use cars, hunting rifles, uh, television, and you name it for horrible purposes. You know, those things aren't evil. It's just People allow them to be used as evil instruments. Amen. But, you know, but like I said, the Bible says in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And part of the manifestations of that is visions and dreams. I'm not saying go seeking these things, go looking for these things. I don't do that. You know, you know, that Psalm 119, 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen? 
You know, it's like Brother Hagin used to train us and teach us, put the word first place. Amen? And to me, it's like you, you have your hard copy roadmap and your GPS. The GPS for me is the Holy Spirit, me learning to be led by him. But the map is the word of God, and the Holy Spirit's ne- never going to lead me outside the boundary of God's word. Well, guess what? Sometimes the GPS, you know, a natural GPS, you know, you lose that connection. Sometimes we might get in the flesh, and even the Holy, Holy Spirit dwells in us. Sometimes we're not as sensitive as we need to be. But if we have that foundation in the Word, even if we're struggling with that internal guidance system, is like, hmm, no, that doesn't line up with the Word. That doesn't agree with the Word, you know. For example, I was in Turkey in March for the first time, and, and uh, I, was in a, I was in a country for the first time where where the host pastor was not there. I was covering for him. So I was doing Sundays and Wednesday services for three weeks. And he already told me, he said, I've got a young man that he'll guide you the first three or four days, but he he has a job, and he'll try to show you around town, and you probably have to rely on your GPS. Well, guess what? That GPS didn't work all the time. So I got lost a number of times. And in a Muslim country, you know, 90-something percent Muslim. And, and I had never felt threatened or in danger or anything. In fact, they just, I guess because of my skin color, they didn't pay much mind to me. And, uh, but uh, until I talked. And then at first they assumed I knew Arabic. I said, no, I don't know Arabic either. And, you know, where are you from, America? Oh, okay. And, uh, but it was still cool. But, but, uh, but, but like I said, that... Sometimes that GPS wasn't working for me. And, uh, and even when I had the guy, that, that guy, that, that young college kid, I think he's about 20 years old, show me around. After about three, three days, I said, so how long have you been driving? Because I noticed a lot of people are honking their horns at us in an angry way when I was driving. And he said, oh, I don't drive. It's like, oh, that's what's going on here. So you, he knows his way around the city but he doesn't know the rules of the road for driving. He thinks he does. He said, do this. And it was like, sometimes it was the opposite of what, what he told me I was supposed to be doing. But that's a whole other story there. But, but anyway, you know, Romans 12, 2 says that we should renew our mind on the word of God so that we can basically discern the will of God. Let me read that, Romans 12, 2. It said, the word is always first. But at the same time, we are living in the last days where God says he's pouring out his spirit on how much flesh? All flesh. flesh, Amen. Romans 12 says this. And 12.2. And do not, Romans 12.2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may what? Prove what is that, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I've read through the entire Bible probably 34, 35 times. Started off doing that at Rhema, read it 10 10 years of working there, so read through it 10 times. We used to use the King James and the NIV. Then about five years into it, the Lord dealt with me, said, why don't you start doing this at home before you go to work? So, ooh, yeah, that would be good. (laughs) And uh, so I started taking other translations, and so, but guess what? That just builds up a reservoir of lights and insight on the inside of you. Praise God. Amen. And so 
as I feel like I'm perceiving direction from the Holy Spirit, I've got more to judge it by, to discern it by. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm not saying you have to read through the Bible like I did, but that's what the Lord led me to do. Amen? But, but anyway, those things will help you. And I felt like the Lord wanted to remind you of something that Brother Hagin was taught. This is what Jesus taught Brother Hagin in 1958, 1959 in El Paso, Texas. It was some things on being led by the Holy Spirit. It was about the inward witness. Jesus said this to him. The ministry of the New Testament prophet in this area, talking about direction, is only to confirm what people already have in their spirits. And if you've been in this church a long time, you, you know this, you've heard this, it's been preached, you've read it. And that's what Jesus said to him. And then Jesus also said this, the number one way, the primary way that I lead all of my children is by the inward witness. I am going to show you how that works so you won't make the mistakes you have made in the past. Like I said, Brother Hagin was early in his ministry years, a very young man. There wasn't teaching out there on this. And then it goes on to say, it's not a physical feeling, but it's a feeling in your spirit. And then regarding the decision Brother Hagin was struggling with about going to preach at a particular church, Jesus said the following, the more you thought about it, the better you felt about it. It said, you had a velvety-like feeling in your spirit. That's the green light. That's the go-ahead signal. That's the witness of the Spirit to go. Now you see me here. You, you, now you see me sitting here. You hear me talking to you, and I'm telling you to go to that church. But I'm never going to lead you to go anywhere like this again. From now on, I'm going to lead you just like I do every other Christian. How many other Christians? By the inward witness. So. I got a pillowcase in here. I think that I can use to illustrate this. A pillowcase? Wait and see. So I've got this pillowcase, and it's got the smooth, velvety side, and it's got the rough side. And so what Jesus was saying was, like, anytime you're thinking about making a decision to do something or say something that agrees with the Holy Spirit, you got that smooth, velvety feeling on the inside. In your spirit. But if what you're thinking about saying or doing is not in agreement with the Holy Spirit's leading, it doesn't feel smooth. Does that make sense? Has anybody ever experienced that? Hopefully many in here. How many have experienced that before? Okay. Good. Good for you. If you have not, you can too. Hallelujah. Amen. But Jesus said it's that smooth, velvety feeling on the inside in your spirit. I mean, I went to Turkey in March. Like I said, I was there, and the host pastor was in the U.S. for seven weeks. I lived in an apartment by myself, rented, had a car, was getting groceries, didn't know a lick of Arabic or Tur- the Turkish language either, and, uh, you know, and many other challenges that came with that. I had 12 pages of instructions before I went there, Any, anywhere from anything from uh, if you want to have heat in the apartment, brother, you have to go out to the balcony. There'll be this metal box. You have to reach up under here. And there'll be this valve, and you got to turn it, you know, clockwise and wait for the meter to get to about two and a half, and then it'll fall back to two. Then you'll have hot water and heat. And 
and all kinds of stuff. And just like, and uh, cause cultural stuff. He said, don't use the word crusades here, you know. <laughs> Some of you understand the history of that. Yeah. Don't use the word missionary. He said, that's like saying you're, that's like, that's like saying you're a terrorist over here in this country. No, literally said, do not use the word missionary. You know, and so, so I'm trying to follow everything to the T, you know. And then he said, I don't have anybody in the church that's experienced at interpreting, you know. So I'm going to give the, be- the guy who I think can do the best job, you know, ended up being a black guy from the island of St. Vincent. He wasn't even Turkish. And it's like, <laughs> but his English was better than most. And he knew t- some Turkish, but he never had any experience. So we got through it. Praise God. We got, I said, Lord, show me what to do. And I just kept getting this witness in my spirit before the trip to, uh, he said, I want, you to sh- I want you to share things out of Brother Hagin's book, the Art, of, the Art of Prayer, The Believer's Authority, and How to Be Led by the Spirit. He said, that's your assignment while you're there. Well, I get there, and guess what three books I find that are translated into the Turkish language from Brother Hagin's, of Brother Hagin, those three books. It's like, hallelujah. Because that, that first Sunday service, it was a struggle. Yeah. It was like, Lord, I've got three more weeks of this. It's like, if I can't communicate effectively, it's a waste of my time being here. And so he said, start to give. The Lord just impressed upon me. Give him your sermon notes two days ahead. And, and, and you know, tell him the excerpts from these books you're going to be you know, emphasizing, sharing, highlighting, whatever. And things just got much better. And the people really received, they were really blessed, et cetera, et cetera. But thank God for the leading of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we say we've heard from God, and everybody assumes it's always a voice. But as Brother Hagin was taught by Jesus, uh, the voice is there, but the number one way, the most prevalent is the inward witness, just that inward knowing. Your Romans 8, 14 it tells us that for as many as are led by the Spirit, they're called the sons of God. And then in verse 16, two verses later, it says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And, of course, there are some believers that don't even know they have a spirit. And, you know, it's, I'm not, you know, picking on anybody, but some people have not been taught that. They don't realize that. And the Lord said, said you know, he said, sometimes you're, not this church, but he said, sometimes you're moving in churches where they don't even get that. The First Thessalonians 5.23, Paul said, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We are spirit. We have a soul. We possess a soul. And we have a body. Amen. And so he said, you know, some people aren't aware of that. Even when they get, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're not aware of the whole, they are spirit. And so he said, remind people of that, to live out of their spirit, man. Like I said, within the confines, the boundaries of God's word, renewing our mind on the word of God. Does that make sense to you? Amen. I mean, and the, it's like Brother Hagin used to teach us, the more you pray in other tongues, pray in the spirit, the more spirit conscious you become. And you can get to a place where you can just kind of flow out of that place. He said years ago, it would, I think he said it would take him four or five hours of praying in tongues to where he'd get in the spirit. 
But then he's, and, and sometimes that was moving into some really, you know, really deep things in the spirit. But just even being more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it, said it, would, it would take him a while. But he said after he learned to develop his spirit man and his prayer language and praying in the Holy Spirit more frequently, he said he could be in a spirit just like that. Amen. And you can just, and that's how I strive to live my life. I was talking to a Rhema grad a couple years ago, and I said, wow, you really, you really live this way, don't you? I said, yeah, I thought everybody was, had that attitude, you know. And so I realized not everybody does. But you can. You don't have to be a Bible, Bible college graduate to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, in Acts 18.5, I think it is, Paul talked about how he was pressed in his spirit. This is the King James Version. It says, when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So he was pressed in his spirit. Just keep that phrase in your mind. And then 2 Corinthians 5.14 in the King James Version, 2 Corinthians 5.14, the Bible says, for the love of Christ. Now, what is God? God is love. It says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Well, that word constraineth and the word pressed is the same New Testament Greek word, also translated compelled. And sometimes you'll feel impressed in your spirit. It's not you heard some voice. You know, thank God the Bible says God's sheep know his voice. They hear his voice. But guess what? It's not always a voice. But you will have that witness of the Spirit. You'll feel impressed in your spirit, that, that constraining in your spirit. I remember years ago when you know, my wife's been gone for about six years to heaven, but early in our marriage, I think we were newlyweds in Okinawa, Japan, and I was being deployed. I was on this 24-hour readiness battalion with the Marines, even though I was in the Navy. And, and, uh, and it was just a lot of pressure. It was all new. We were newlyweds, and she was lonely, and I was gone a lot. And one day she was... She was just, uh, she was upset, and I'd just come from a really rough day at work. And she, but she was really dealing with a lot, and she didn't understand what I was going through. I didn't understand what she was going through. And, and so she had said some things, and I just kept getting this restraint in my spirit. And I'm going to use this rope to illustrate that. In fact, uh, would you come up here? Would you? Yes, I'm going to use you. Thank you. I think this rope will fit around you. And wasn't sure if it would fit around everybody else, but okay. anyway. So, so. Okay. And uh, so, go ahead and turn around, face the people. And sometimes you, you, in your spirit, as you're thinking about doing something or saying something, you'll feel a constraint from the Holy Spirit. He's not going to overpower you and force you. But let's say you moving forward is symbolic of saying something or doing something. So go ahead and try to move forward. Okay. But you got that constraint in your spirit. Well, that day in the car, as Yolanda said, such and such, and I just kept this constraint. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. Well, guess what I did? I, I said it. I mean, I had a volcano raging on inside of me, and she had one inside of her. And guess what? Two of those volcanoes at the same time, not a good thing. So it took a little while to, for that to, you know, 
restoration in that area. We weren't at the point of divorce or nothing like, nowhere close, but that was like our first big major just kind of blow up. But guess what? The Holy Spirit was trying to help me not to, you know, God says, I'd rather you grow up than blow up, you know? And, uh, and so that was a learning experience. Hallelujah. But sometimes you're thinking about doing something or saying something, go ahead and move and you'll just get that constraint on the inside. Amen? The Holy Spirit pressing on you. Or sometimes maybe you're afraid to do something, but God's saying you need to say this, or you need to do that, you need to step out in faith on this, you need to go, etc. And you know, you know it's God. Because in the natural, you don't want to do it. And it just keeps coming up in your heart, in your spirit, man. And so he's tugging on you, he's pulling on you. you know, he's pressing on you. He's compelling you, you know. You got that. Amen? But you say, well, why doesn't God just speak to me in some loud voice? You know, 1 Peter 3, 4 talks about developing a meek and quiet spirit. Well, that tells me that not every believer has a meek and quiet spirit if there has to be instructions to develop that. The Bible said, you know, Moses was the meekest man on the earth. The Bible talks about the meekness of Christ. Amen. How many want to be more like Jesus? Hallelujah. Well, one of the things we want to develop is that meekness, that humility, that submission. And the more you yield to God, submit to his word. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Gracias. Amen. Everybody say, good job. (laughs) Amen. Everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame. No, I'm just teasing. But, uh, but anyway, but, you know, but again, that number one way is that inward witness. And that means you need to learn to just be still, be quiet. And I'm not just talking physically, but, you know, I can be still and quiet while I'm going about my day. For example, when I was in that, I was flying to, to uh, Turkey, I had to, fly from Tulsa to, I think it was Dallas, to Atlanta, to somewhere in Europe, or, and then to Istanbul, and th- that was all international flights, and then a domestic flight, so I had to navigate from the international airport to the domestic one, still had a bus ride ahead of me, public transport bus, and I get to Istanbul, and the luggage didn't make it. There were some flight delays, and just kind of had that feeling in my spirit. It's like, man. So then I had to navigate through like four or five baggage claim lost and found areas because everybody kept saying, go this way and turn right. That's the only English they knew, I guess. And, uh, and uh, so finally I found the right spot. And I'm looking at my watch because I can't miss that connection. The pastor's counting on me to be you know, there. I'm f- arriving on Friday night. Service is Sunday morning. And, I says, and then he said, you need to get a SIM card for your phone, too, so that you can call the guy who's going to pick you up. And by the way, he doesn't know any English. And uh, so it's like, yeah, not a tr- mission trip I'd recommend to first-timers at all. No, no. I've been to 32 countries, some countries three or four or five, 20 times, you know. So I've been doing this a long time in a lot of places. But so I'm just, I'm having to just follow that prompted in my spirit. It's like, all right, you spend enough time in lost and found. You need to get to find the other airport, which, and they were co-located. 
but, you know, there's airport security and all this stuff. And I got there just as they were about to close the door for my domestic flight from one part of Turkey to the next. And then I printed out the name of the bus, the city location, all that, and just the way the pastor gave it to me on a big white piece of paper, you know, 11 by, you know, a piece of white paper. So I'm showing it. There's only two buses there, so I show it to the lady, hoping she understands, this is, is this the right bus? And she said, yes, yes, yes. And our motion, yes, yes, yes. So I got on the bus, only to find out I was going to the right place, but I was dropped off at the wrong location. Now it's 1040 at night. It's cold. I've been traveling for about 30 hours, and there's nobody to pick me up. And so I said, Lord, what do I do? You know? and, uh, and he just prompted me, said, call your contact right now, and then hand the phone to that couple that's walking along the canal and let them talk. So that's what I did, and I guess the, the, male of, the man of that couple, he understood that there's somebody going to be on the phone that he needs to talk to, and he was gracious. He talked to him, and all of a sudden, the guy who had my phone said, wait, five minutes. That's about the only English he knew. Wait, five minutes. And I understood, wait right here. In five minutes, your ride will be here. And thank God my ride was there. Hallelujah. <laughs> but... You know, I didn't start learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit there. That started well before that. I mean, these things can really help your life. Amen? And your relationships, don't say that. (laughs) Business, school, ministry, whatever it might be. Amen? Yeah, like I said... That Brother Hagin was taught by Jesus, the number one way that God leads all his children is by the inward witness. The second most prevalent way is the, the voice of your human spirit. And time's sake, I'm not going to get in that, but our conscience is the voice of our spirit. And that can be a safe guide if you're doing the right things, you know, in terms of submitting to God and all that. And then the, more, the, then the third most prevalent way is the more authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit. And I've had that experience a number of times as well, and hopefully you have too. But more, more, most of the time, day in your day in and day out life, it's just following that prompt. And some people have asked me, yeah, aren't you concerned with your daughter being in a country that's 90-something percent Buddhist? And I said, we raised our kids to be led by the Holy Spirit in schools, out in the malls, Wherever they go, we grew up in the age where all those school shootings were going on in the 90s and, you know, and all that when our kids were in school and stuff like that. And it's like, so we trained them that way. So, and, and the same God that I trust, you know, my daughter trusts. I'm not, I don't, I don't wake, I don't, I don't stay up at night worrying about her. I don't think I've ever worried about her. I'm, that's not an exaggeration. But I know her, but even more than that, I know my God. Amen? Now, if she was just some wacky and, you know, off-the-rails type of kid, yeah, I'd have a lot of concerns. But I know that she, she really hears from God. They are, all three of my daughters do. And Yolanda's nephew that we raised. And, and so I just trust that, you know. And I'm not saying any of us are perfect with divine guidance, but I just keep, I keep striving to do better and better and better and better and better with it. Amen? Praise God. When I went to Southern University in Baton Rouge, and I'd, 
Actually, I went through three schools before I graduated from college. There's a whole story there. But, but um, when I got to Southern, I just thought, man, if I can get this down, I don't have to take all these missteps, you know. And maybe it was just God's order of things for me to get me from point A to point C or D or G or whatever. Or whatever, but I just thought, man, if I can get this down, I can have more success and less failure in my life. Because God's way is the perfect way. I'll finish with this. Lord, just like I said, I got 10 pages of notes, but I just kind of skipped around on some stuff. Looking for Hebrews. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 8, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in, in the rebellion in the day of the trial in the wilderness. And then verse 15, Hebrews 3:15 is what I really want to get to. It says, While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you will hear his voice, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And sometimes the reason people struggle with guidance from God is because they've closed their heart off in certain areas of their life. Amen? Maybe because they've misunderstood God, misinterpreted some things. Sometimes people just, they're not surrendered like they should be. When I went to Southern University, I went there with a total surrender. God, your will, I want to do things your way your plan for my life, etc. And it was a fight. I had a father who was an atheist who had his plan for my life. And that even meant suffering seven years of not seeing him in one sense. When I went to Ramah, the first seven years we were there, we didn't see him. He didn't want to see us. He had not met his own grandkids. That's how offended and angry and disappointed and upset he was. And I understood it. I understood that if I was an atheist, that what my son's doing doesn't make any sense. So I was not bitter towards him, but that was part of the challenge. But, but like I said, going back to Southern University, I remember getting a hold of Brother Hagin's book, How to Be Led by the Spirit, and I just thought, man, I want to get this down. I wore those cassettes out. It's like, Lord, I just, I just want to do things your way, the right way. I understand now. You have a plan for my life. There's a reason I'm, I, I was, I'm created for a certain purpose on Jeremiah 29, 11 and all of that. And, Lord, just help me to grow in this. And if you desire that, God's going to honor that. And you'll develop that way. Amen. Any area of ministry service you're in, you're going you're to find that you, you'll do it even better. Amen. And he's a God of the details as well. Sometimes, there's, sometimes we're doing the right thing, but just not in the right way. Amen? You know, John 10, 3 to 4 and John 10, 27 says, John 10, 3 says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out, brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Amen? God says we know his voice. Verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. But again, Hebrews 3.15, today if you will hear his voice, don't harden your, keep an open heart. Amen? 
And then God will give you all the wisdom you need. You know, one of the prayers we learned at Rhema was, you know, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. It, it, Paul was praying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and, and, and inspired to write that, that, that letter to the church of Colossae. And he said, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And sometimes we're filled with the knowledge of God's will on something, but what about the wisdom? Well, guess what? I knew I was supposed to be in Turkey, but now I needed some wisdom to get get through a lot of stuff. Amen? But God will give you that wisdom. He'll give you that direction so you can achieve your assignment, whether it's a long-term thing or a short-term thing, whatever it is. God says, I want you filled with the knowledge of my will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The wisdom is the practical steps to how to. Okay, how should I do this, Lord? It's like when I was leaving Ramah, I said, Lord, I've seen some people leave Ramah like the McNeeses in a wonderful way, an awesome way. Others, not so well. Lord, I want to leave like them. I mean, people like them were examples to me. It's like, man, that was just so good how they left, how they transitioned. Amen? Not everybody did. And I saw some shipwreck their lives. They left offended, they left in pride, they left in this and that. And I said, Lord, I know that eventually I'm called to be out there going to the nations, but I know there's a right way, a right time and all that. Lord, help me to do that as well. And so I remember when um, my boss, you know, I'd been his right-hand man for probably eight or nine of the ten years as a housekeeper. I was his assistant, 35 housekeeping uh, personnel in that department. You know, 20 buildings on campus and all of that. And uh, that didn't mean I didn't clean. only thing that meant was when the boss was on vacation or off campus, I had the radio. I was still doing everything I had to do, but I had a radio too. And all the problems came to me. And, uh, but I remember, you know, we were prayer partners. We had father-daughter prayer meetings. We had next-step prayer meetings for moving out to our ministry. We, we would travel, and, and he played the guitar and the keyboard, and he's recorded some music, and we would go out and minister on the weekends here and there. So we were really close. Yolanda would do Christmas lights on his side business, Christmas lights. So we were, we were tight. And so when the year the Lord was dealing with me about leaving my job at Rhema was 1998, he was dealing with me about that. Yolanda and Carl both knew in the spirit, this is the year. And Yolanda said, when you leave, and I know this is the year, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, 1999, you need to be out there. And, uh, and then Carl said, you know, Larry, I know you're leaving. When do you think it is? So, well, Carl, I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. I just want to make sure I do it right in the right way. I want to do it in wisdom, you know, whatever the steps are that Lord has for me to do that. And, um, and so uh, he said, okay. And he said, uh, I'll be praying with you, pray, believing with you and all that. And then the summer came, and he, about every month or two, would ask me that question because it was just strong in his spirit and in Yolanda's and mine too. But I'm thinking, man, I've got a household of six, wife, three daughters, a nephew, and just make sure I'm doing everything the right way, you know. And, uh, and it wasn't fear, but I just wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And so, and so the summer came, and he said, I said, well, Carl, I think, I'm thinking maybe by the end of the summer. I know this was a big transition month at Raymond. A lot of employees roll out in the summer. And, uh, and then uh, he came back to me and said, well, would you do me a favor and stay till the middle of this new school year? I said, well, hmm, let me pray about it. 
because I don't think I'm supposed to be here in 1999. And as I was praying about it, the Lord had already spoken to me before that time, before that prayer. And he said, you know, if you show this ministry favor, they're going to show you favor. And I didn't understand that at the time. But when Carl, the Lord, when I went back to pray, the Lord said, what did Carl say to you? Would you do me a favor and stay till the middle of the school year? And he said, that's the favor. I said, well, Lord, what date should I leave? And he, he gave me a date in December. So I said, Carl, I'll stay till December. And the reason Carl asked me to do that is because Raymond would always have a hiring freeze on for the first half of the school year and, and uh, to get the finances built up to hire more employees. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. And then, and so then September came, and the Lord said, I want you to go back to volunteering with children's ministry. That was the first area I ever volunteered at Rama. And I went from, and did children's, and nursery two, then children's, yeah. And uh, middle school of the Bible, youth for seven years, Rama Rangers, and I was over the nine to 11-year-olds, and choir, and this, a number of things. And so the Lord said, why don't you go back to children's? And I said, well, Lord, you know, I'm going to be here a little while. He said, well, just talk to the guy over children's ministry, explain your situation. So I did. I explained it to him. He said, well, we'll just take you for as long as we can, we can have you, Brother Larry. And I said, okay. And that meant laying down my one or two weekends a month of traveling ministry. He said, lay that down. So this seemed like the total opposite of what I should do. It's like, Lord, should I be building momentum, you know? And he said, just trust me. I want you to do it this way. So I did that. And then in the October of that school year, the Lord said, ask the Hagans if you can go part-time. So I went to my boss, you know, being an ex-military man, follow the chain of command and all that. And so he said, well, they don't normally do that for somebody who's leaving. I said, well, I just know God impressed that upon my heart, you know, and I said, I've been exercising this inward witness a long time. I just knew that was, that was right. He said, okay, well, I'll ask him. Well, a week goes later, goes by, and God spoke to me more emphatically. This was an authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost. This time he said, ask the Hagans if you can go part-time. I said, well, Lord, I've asked. He said, you didn't do it like I told you to. I said, what do you mean? I said, ask the Hagans, not your boss. And that's just very uncharacteristic for me. I mean, you go through the proper channels. Well, the week before, the Hagen, the Hagen family member who was over personnel was right in my path when God impressed that on my heart. Well, guess who was in my path again a week later, right in front of me? It was like, whoa. It was on a Friday, 4.15 in the afternoon or so. And so I asked that individual, and they said, oh, yeah, we heard you're leaving. We're sorry to see you go. We know you have to obey God. I'll talk, I'll talk to the family, and we'll get back to you. Monday morning, right after devotions, they called and said, you don't need to go part-time. Just keep your full-time status, but just work it out with your boss to take off as much as you need. Keep your full pay and benefits. Praise God. You know, I knew it was God's will for me to leave, but God wanted me to be filled with the, the wisdom on how to do it for me. Amen? And then what happened after that? Um, so we had set it up for us to be prayed for, to be sent out in ministry, you know, on a particular Sunday in December of that year, 1998. And, and so Pastor Hagen's up there, and he's, you know, he's... Uh, He's talking about me and 
our family leaving and another couple leaving and all that. Then he goes back up to the platform, and he says, he's, he's not preaching. He said, well, God's dealing with me about something, church. And he said, the Lord's telling me we need to help support Larry and Yolanda and their family for the first year of their traveling ministry. He said, no, we've never helped a, a traveling minister before, but we've helped, you know, some people pioneer their churches and some missionaries, but not an itinerant minister. But the Lord's just dealing with me. We need to do that. And so the first year, we had that as well. Amen? But it's because not only doing the will of God, but doing God's will the way God said to do it. Being filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That wisdom, and you look, you look into James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, it gives you the characteristics of God's wisdom, and then it, it compares it to devilish, worldly you know, fleshly type of wisdom. And says the wisdom of God is, is meek, it's peaceable, it's gentle. In other words, it's not rush, rough and harsh and mean and all of that. There's other wisdom out there, but you don't want the fruit of that wisdom. In those verses, James 3, 13, 18, it talks about the fruit of, the fruit of God's wisdom is in all righteousness. It's peaceable, it's gentle. There's a meekness to it, a humility, so to speak. Amen? And uh, you can dig into those verses more, you know, on your own. But it's like, all right, is this the wisdom of God or is this some other kind of wisdom? Guess what? You can be inspired by the wrong spirit if you give your, lend your flesh to that. Amen? But God's wisdom, it's peaceable, it's gentle. There's a humility to it. Praise God. I'm not saying it's not forceful. It's not strong. Meekness, you know, Bible meekness is not weakness. Amen? Praise God. But uh, has that helped you at all? But like I said, in these last days, God's pouring out his all spirit. And so there's spectacular guidance. And then there's the less spectacular, which is that inward witness. Sometimes it's that still small voice, etc. But, you know, you know, we want to avail ourselves to all that God makes available. And we're not seeking all these spectacular things, but at the same time, these things will manifest as the Lord directs. Amen? Praise God. I know that I'm going back to the spectacular guidance of dreams. I know back in November, the Lord gave me this dream where I I was like, I was a bucket of water, and I kept seeing this big ball pushed into it and displacing me, pushing me out. And I kept getting this dream for like three, three times in one night, and then the next morning it was there again. And I, and I just, just feel like there was an urgency. It's like, don't allow yourself to be displaced in certain people's lives. It's like the enemy's trying to push me out of some people's relationships, some divine connections. And I'm the type, you know, you want to be my friend? Cool. If you don't, you know, I'm good, you know. I might be sad or disappointed, but I'm not going to, you know force myself where I'm not wanted. I've just never been that way. I grew up going to 10 schools between kindergarten and high school. Didn't have a lot of close friends growing up until I got off into college. And, you know, I was a new kid many times, bullied and all that. And so I'd rather you leave me alone than give me the wrong type of attention as a kid, you know. And then I finally figured out, you know, and these bullies were always two or three grades ahead of me and it'd be a pack of them, you know. So I had a lot of fear in my life until I finally got into some wrestling and boxing stuff in junior high. My dad was a boxer, and so that helped me in some ways that way. But, but you know, but I'm the type, hey, 
you know, you don't want me around? Cool. But the Lord was just like, said, this is an, the enemy has some ploys. He's trying to disconnect you to, from some people that you're a blessing to and, you're a, and they're a blessing to you. And so one of the individuals was a guy I knew from the Naval Academy. In fact, he led me to, he took me to the Christian retreat where I got saved. He was the one witnessing to me every week. And he got out of the Navy after several years, went into business, and ended up developing a Fortune 500 business and then taking over other businesses, sold that one and took over other troubled businesses and turned them around to great profits. And he's been a ministry partner. Doesn't donate every year. That would be nice, but from time to time, you know, and it helps. Well, you know, my dad had passed away this past November, and the Lord said, you need to reach out to him, because when he was at the Naval Academy, my dad was the host home for that guy where he could hang out for the weekends. And, uh, and so I was, and I know his parents, his parents know my parents, and vice versa. We all go way back. And, uh, and so I text, emailed, called, was not getting any response. I thought, well, maybe his contact information has changed. Tried several times. Got thought he's going to really be disappointed to have the funeral pass and him not send a card or a flower or attend or whatever. And so, you know, my dad was 87 when he passed. He lived a long life, born again, got saved in his mid-70s after all them years of other stuff there. So there's a good, good ending to that. But anyway, going back to my friend, the Lord, uh, two weeks after the funeral ended, the Lord was on me again with those those, those dreams and about being displaced. And, uh, and I said, well, Lord, what else can I do? I've, I've tried everything I know. He said, no, you haven't. And I said, well, Lord, what should I do? In other words, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me direction. And James 1, 5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God, and he'll liberally give it to you. What can I do? He said, well, don't you have his mother's phone number, all three of his sisters and his brother? Reach out to them and track him down, you know. So I did. And he called within 30 minutes. He said, oh, Larry, I'm so sorry. It's like, oh, he was so disappointed. And he said, I just want to still do something to help with that. You could, just, you could tell it was really in his heart. He just felt like, I still want to do something. He said, well, what about the funeral expenses? Is everything covered? I said, well, let me check with my sister. He said, well, I'm going to send some money to you anyway. Just give me your personal bank account, and I'll just wire some money, and then just use it however you all need to, for whatever. And so he put $20,000 in there. I was like, whoa, I'm glad I submitted to, I didn't blow them dreams off. You know, it's like, uh, and, just, and I was persistent. And so I contacted my sister and said, well, you know, Larry said, you know, dad, he, you know, he's retired Navy commander, retired engineer. School, he, he also worked as a school teacher with his wife, his second wife. And so everything's covered. I mean, if you want to donate something to this to, you know, a go fund for this thing for him or something great, but said, I don't need the money either, so you just keep it. So I, I called, my, my friend said, yeah, just keep So I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> but what if? You know, it's not the direction and guidance God gives you isn't always easy in the natural. Sometimes you got to fight through some things, press through some things. I need a wisdom in Turkey. Lord, how do I minister to these people? I mean, otherwise, it's a waste of my time to be here, you know. You have to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. You ready for me to pray with you real quick? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll just say that this is going to be a prayer for just asking God for wisdom. 
in helping us if we need to be resensitized to the Holy Spirit in some kind of way to do that. Amen? Just say this prayer with me. Say, my Heavenly Father, there are areas of my life that I'm believing for breakthrough. I ask for your wisdom in all of those areas. And your word says, today, if I will hear your voice, to harden not my heart. I purpose to be a Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 believer who acknowledges you in all my ways. I'm open, Lord. My heart is open. Show me. I will yield. I'm trusting for the grace, for the strength to operate in move in, walk in what you give me wisdom to do. I thank you by faith for that. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe there's someone here who needs to give their heart to the Lord or or rededicate their life to the Lord. If you're here today and you need ministry along those lines, we want to make this time available to you to reconnect or connect for the first time in, your, in, in a fellowship with the Lord, in a walk with the Lord, in a life with the Lord. If you're here today and you need prayer along those lines, just raise your hand. Is there anybody who needs to minister along those lines? Okay, I don't see any hands for that. Praise God. Are we live streamed or anything? Or Okay. Well, I'm just going to pray this prayer for anybody that might be watching online that needs ministry along these lines. And you can pray with me if you want and just to show a support of those who might need to come to the Lord to rededicate their life. Say, Almighty God, I believe that your son, Jesus, was crucified for my sins. In fact, the very sins I committed against him. I believe that after he was buried, he was raised to life. And he's seated at your own right hand. I want to repent. Turn from my old life, a wrong life, a rebellious life. And submit to you. Surrender to you. So I say forgive me. As I turn my heart to you. Acknowledging. That Jesus. Died for me. For my sins. And is raised to life. Seated at your right hand. In Jesus name. Amen.